Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here is your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Small, and today I am joined by Adam Lane Smith. Adam is a husband, a father, a fraternity of excellence brother, a licensed marriage therapist, and a man who has helped many, and when I say many, I mean countless men deal with both depression, anxiety, finding purpose, finding a way to improve relationships with women. And today we're going to talk about proactive steps you can take to combating seasonal depression. We're heading into the dark months. Winter is coming, as they say. Adam, how can people find motivation when it gets cold and dark out? Welcome to the show. Hey, bro. Yeah, winter is is brutal. Winter is terrible. Uh, In the mental health field, summer is the light month. No, No one wants to come in for therapy in the summertime. The sun's shining. You get maybe 15 minute sessions with people if they even schedule. And then they all start showing up again. September, October, people start feeling cold. They're having a hard time getting through their life. Symptoms all of a sudden come back. And as we ease into the winter months, it gets it gets so brutal. The suicide rates go sky high. Christmas is the magnet for that. Everything seems to happen around Christmas. But you got suicides happening in November, suicides happening in February, um, coming up in November is the two year anniversary of a suicide in my close family. And I'm a therapist. We've got three licensed therapists in my family alone. And there was a suicide just two years ago. So it's brutal and people need to be armed to prevent these things from happening. But, but even just to get through who wants to spend four or five months miserable and then actually live their life from spring to September. No one wants that. So we got to get people armed and ready. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, it's, it's hard to use that term. I'm not glad you brought it up. You know, suicide in any rate is a terrible thing. You know, before we went on, I was talking to you about inside the fraternity of excellence. Last year, I think we had three suicides. You know, yeah, you dealt not, with one. Not, not, not the men themselves, but their family members. Yes, yes. Yeah. So they, men had to deal with, you know, family, close friends taking their lives. And I was sharing with you, you know, my mother, when I was six, it was a, a winter suicide. She killed herself in February. Yeah. You know, so there's something to this yeah. and I want us to do the best we can to getting a resource out there for those who, you know, summer was great. And all of a sudden that little voice, that negative voice, that dark cloud is creeping back in as the, the days get shorter, as the nights get colder. And there's a lot going on. I mean, it's 2020. The, the year's almost become a joke. <laughs> it has. And you know what? People don't realize this, but with, with, with coronavirus, COVID-19, a lot of people have spent the last year as if it's already wintertime. They've been isolated in their home. They've been away from everyone else. They're out of the sunlight. They're just locked in their rooms. Man, so many people have cabin fever in the middle of August, in the middle of July. It's been a year of winter, regardless of what the weather's been outside. And now we're going into a real winter when people are already sick of that. It's, I can't imagine that this is going to be an easy winter. So it, it's going to be rough, folks. Now, as I'm an armchair therapist, I'm not mm-hmm. licensed. I, am not, I did not go to the schooling. You have, though. Yeah. Now, is there, what is it about this that you've learned, either through dealing with people or through the text, you know, and the works of your professors, 
what is it about the seasonal aspect of it? I mean, have humans always just gone down the drain, you know, when the winters came around? Is that always yeah. a thing or is it a modern tech thing? Well, think about this. Our holidays are especially smashed in during those winter months. Sometimes we have two holidays a month. Our ancestors knew what they were doing, putting all these, packing these holidays in, right? You've got thanks, you've got Halloween, not even a month later, you've got Thanksgiving. And that's just not American. You know, you've got, you've got various fall festivals and harvest festivals going in. And then in the winter months, you've got Christmas, you know, you've got uh, the, the Jewish traditions, uh, Hanukkah, you've got all these winter things crammed in. Um, the original Christian system was to actually have an entire month of Christmas, not just Christmas Day. So, and then immediately a week later after Christmas, you've got New Year's and New Year's Eve. Then you've got Valentine's Day crammed in there. You've, you've got so many holidays packed into those winter months. Our ancestors knew what they were doing because people need, they need to come up. Those holidays, if you think about them, they all force you to gather together with family, with friends, with loved ones. They're centered around um, Thanksgiving. They're centered around gratitude, gift giving, dopamine boosts for us to go up. A lot of it's just drinking. You get together and you see your family and you get smashed. And then you go home to your family and you, and you have fun. You play with new toys. Um, you celebrate a new year, the birth of a new year. There's a reason that our new year comes during the darkest time of the winter because we need to feel this, this refresh, this life. Um, if you think about it, the ancestors, our ancestors could have put the beginning of the year at the beginning of spring and say, hey, look, the new year is starting. Life continues. They could have put that at the beginning of spring, but who knows what the ancestor suicide rate would have been. Instead, they put it in the middle of winter when things are darkest and most miserable, but we feel and we are told this communal message of life is beginning again. Find yourself and rejuvenate yourself even in the middle of this darkness. Um, and there's reasons for this. I mean, if you're up in the north, right, you and I are about as pacey as it can get, which means our, <laughs> our ancestors come from a place where we're snowed in under like 40 feet of snow, like up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we're trapped in our cabins. We're stuck in. We're miserable. It does weird things to you to be isolated like that. Um, not to be able to see your family and friends. Sickness rates are sky high, so people try to stay away from each other. That's especially high for coronavirus. Vitamin D, um, sunlight. We're supposed to be getting high levels of vitamin D and sunlight. You know, I, I recently saw a paper that said I think the FDA has um, under stated what we need for vitamin D. All this time they've told people a daily dose is 3,000 IUs. They actually have found that that's only one-tenth. They, they, they did the math wrong. It's 30,000 IUs of vitamin D that you actually need per day um, to maintain good mental health. And vitamin D is responsible for a lot of those hormones in your brain and the neurotransmitters in your brain that allow you to feel happiness, that give you energy, that give you the energy to go out and do the things that will make you happy. Um, vitamin D can't be processed well without magnesium and the American diet is incredibly poor on magnesium unless you're eating bowls of raw spinach handfuls of raw nuts every day you're probably not getting your good your good magnesium levels when you're under stress you're burning that magnesium like a furnace uh, magnesium is responsible for allowing us to think really clearly have energy it allows our muscles to physically relax also allows us to process vitamin D. So even if you're out sun tanning in the middle of the summer and you're not getting adequate magnesium, you may also not be getting adequate vitamin D. 
So I live up in the frozen, frigid north. One of the first things we do when someone is depressed, we send them to the doctor, and there's, there's a standard vitamin D level test that you can get. The doctor will test you, you test your blood, and, and a couple days later say, okay, yeah, you're horrible, and we don't know how you're still alive. Here's a vitamin, and they'll give you, it's like a 10,000 IUs. You, you pop that puppy every day. Um, I think they might be coming out with shots for that now. I don't know, but again, you can. I, I've seen people go from suicidal and can hardly get out of bed. A week later, they're taking vitamin D in there, and they feel like a new person. Uh, magnesium, same thing. So I'm not telling everyone to run out and start popping magnesium at 10 times your daily value. I'm just saying sometimes it's nutritional during these months. The, the, uh, you're not going to get a lot of sunshine. California, maybe not as bad. You can go out in California because it's 50 degrees in, in December, and you can, you can suntan in California kind of thing. Not so much in Minnesota, for example. Um, so basic nutrition. Think of food as medicine. Think of your supplements as medicine. Instead of saying, oh, I'm going to take supplements to get big, say, I'm going to take these supplements as my medicine. Um, Physical activity plummets in the winter months. Summer, you're out running, you're doing crazy stuff, you're beating each other up in your backyard with boxing gloves, you're having fun, you're getting the, the, the exhilaration you need. Um, research indicates that getting even 20 minutes of, of exercise every day actually is equally as effective as taking an antidepressant or going to therapy. Um, 20 minutes. Go for a walk. If, if, if you're, you don't live in the frozen north, go for a walk. If you do live in the frozen north, invest in a treadmill. Uh, invest in any kind of weight system in your house. Buy a dumbbell. F feed your cat extra so your cat is very fat, and then just pump your cat as a dumbbell. You could do that, right? If you have kids, bench press your kids. They'll think it's the greatest game in the world. Um, do something for 20 minutes a day where you are exercising. If you're sitting at a desk, I got, man, I work three or four jobs right now and all of them are involved sitting at a desk. So I have to have exercises I can sit here and do at the desk. I've got exercises. You put your neck back and you're, you're pumping your neck muscles and, and then you're pumping your back muscles. If I'm sitting here at my desk, just listening, I might be pumping a dumbbell like this as I'm listening to a podcast that I'm editing or something like that. Um, there's ways to, there's ways to bring, exercise into your daily routine. Uh, some, and, and you know what? You can actually bond that with social activity. So my wife, my wife is this fitness fanatic. I am the opposite of that. I, I am not even close. Hey, credit um, to you though. You have been busting your ass this year. I've had a well, front row seat to it. So I've had to, man. I was looking <laughs> terrible. I, I was horrible. Um, my wife, she was, my wife was, was nine and a half months pregnant. She was actually a week overdue giving birth to our son. And she got on the treadmill and sprinted a mile just to make, just to try to induce labor. And, and it was easy for her to sprint a mile. She was hardly even winded at the end of that, like huge belly. So I'm the opposite of that. So when we do our dates, some of our dates, we're like, yeah, hey, we have the show that we're following and that's cool, but why don't we work out together while we're doing it? So we have our TV situated down low. We can get on the floor. We can do stretches. Again, I've, just got, I've got two, you know, two 15-pound dumbbells. I'm just sitting there pumping them. I'm doing different exercises, doing all the different things with a dumbbell, and it's a social activity because I'm with my wife. That's the other piece of this with the winter months is we get so isolated away from people. Uh, people to other people don't want to leave their homes and we don't want to leave their homes or on the days when they are incredibly interested in hanging out we're sitting there going uh, i'm tired i'm going to stay home then then it flips then we're like yeah i want to go out and my buddy's like eh, i don't feel like it 
you have to have a thriving network. And so many people who commit suicide are alone. They live five hours away from their family. They, they are insecure, so they're nervous about asking people to hang out. They don't think anyone wants to put up with their crap because they're miserable. They say, no, no one's going to want to put up with me because I'm not very happy and energetic. Um, you know, they, they're estranged from their families. They're divorced. They're deployed and away from their kids or men overseas, men and women overseas. Men, it's, it's brutal. Finding social connection with at least two, three other human beings. The magic number is three for our brain to feel really loved, accepted, and embraced. Three people. But during the winter months, one, two, go up from whatever you have. Go up a step or two and, and do that. Um, finding friends is one of the hardest things for adults to do. So you and I have a whole different podcast people can listen to about how to find friends as an adult, how to find and make friends. People go listen to that. If you, if you are lacking social connection, we have a whole podcast designed just to help you do that. That's the number one question I get when I'm in therapy with people that's outside of symptoms, symptom questions, like how do I fix this? The number one question I get is how do I make friends? Because adults just don't know how to do it. Kids, you throw you throw 10 kids in a room and they'll cluster up instantly within like three seconds. You'll see like they'll be thriving as if they've known each other forever. It's crazy. Adults lose that ability because we become so self-conscious about what people will think of us or what people might think of us. Um, insecurity, it's, it's a mess. So go listen to that podcast. But takeaways from this that I want people to really think about is um, your nutrition. Think about your nutrition. If you're sucking down beer every single day and eating nothing but fatty hamburgers and casseroles, probably not getting a good balanced nutrition. So a daily multivitamin might be a good option. You know, vitamin D might be a good option. Magnesium, zinc might be good options. If you're not getting those things in your diet, start doing some research. Food is medicine. We, we aren't supposed to just throw slop in our bodies and then it comes out, you know, it's calories and it comes out. We throw food in our bodies and it has all these different nutrients to fuel our systems in different ways. Our winter diets are good for fat because they keep us warm and they're good for calories because they keep us active. They are not great for nutritional things. Um, we start reaching for all those comfort foods and we start missing out on all the leafy greens that aren't growing during that season anyway. Nutrition and supplements, um, social activities, staying engaged with people, um, physical exercise. Those are incredibly important. Um, but if you, if you don't even want to go into all those um, mindset, gratitude, find beauty in the world around you. If you're sitting there at your window looking out going, man, I wish it was sunny. Start thinking about how you can act, how you can engage in those activities. So um, ancient samurai in Japan, let's talk about samurai in Japan for a moment. Um, they, they were required the twofold path of sword and pen. They'd write haiku. And before they would, before they'd fight a duel, they might sit down and write a poem and it'd be the final haiku they ever wrote. Um, they were they were forced to train their mind into the stoic mindset, and they used poetry to do that. So am I asking you to go out and write 500 pages of poetry? No. But what they would do is they would pick a topic that they wanted to meditate on, and then they would sit and they would view the world around them and say, how does the world around me reflect this principle? So during the winter months, it's easy to reflect on misery, being tired, uh, death, you know, thinking about suicide, sad people you're going to miss, wishing you had friends. It's easy to reflect on those. So you purposely pick something, an idea, a concept, a principle that is upward in, in mood, 
upwards. So you pick honor, you pick joy, you pick uh, rebirth, you pick something, something that you're going to meditate on. And then you just sit there at your window and you look out your window and you think, how does the natural world or the world around me reflect that view? Um, instead of saying, man, I wish there was happiness in my life. You sit there and you think, how is there happiness in my life or in the world around me? How can I go find some of that beauty? You look out your window and you see the cars rushing back and forth and you say, they're, they're going somewhere. They're not just driving for no reason. They have purpose. There is purpose around me. There is purpose and intent right there outside my window. How can I engage in that purpose and that intent more full, more fully in myself? Um, along with that gratitude. I mean, that leads into gratitude. It leads into uh, at least appreciation. Gratitude and appreciation go hand in hand. Are you appreciating what you do have? Are you every day, are you requiring yourself to list those things that you appreciate? Um, what is it you have to smile about today? Zach, you're big on that. Find a reason to smile. You've hammered that into me again and again. I love that, that you have that. That's so, that is the simplest, most boiled down way to look at gratitude and appreciation is what do you have to smile about today? Because so many times in the winter months, people, people get the droop. They're just sitting there like this slack jaw. Their face is just miserable. In the springtime, everyone's pumped and happy. We get like the laugh lines in the springtime and summer. In the winter months, you get like the sag, right? The winter sag. If you can practice smiling more, um, it's interesting because the research does show if you force yourself to smile, that actually does change some of your brain chemistry. It's it's weird how making yourself smile and, and making yourself fake it till you make it. There's actually scientific research behind that. Um, but even better is finding a reason to smile and be happy. And on top of that, engaging in those things. Find the things you have to be happy about and then make yourself go do them. Doing fun activities gives your brain that dopamine boost that we are lacking so brutally, which is why so many of us reach for our addictions in the depths of winter because we're looking for a dopamine boost that just makes us feel good. Building intentional enjoyment into every day is something you need to do. We schedule the bad. We schedule the miserable. We schedule the things that are going to suck. And then we say, all right, I guess I have like an hour between these appointments. I can just sit here and just watch YouTube until I have to go do the next stressful thing. Instead, you could be using that hour to engage in something mindful and enjoyable. So meditate for an hour, sit there and say your prayers for an hour, sit there and play video games, like really deep engaging video games, play, play half hour of Call of Duty where you're screaming at the TV and you're blowing people's heads off and you're, you're having this great time, right? Something active. There's your, there's your 30 minutes of exercise right there. Do a 30 minute of exercise between that on your lunch break. When you're sitting there in your house saying, man, I remember when I used to be at work, I could go high five my buddies. Sit there and, and do jump on a jump on a Zoom call. Grab your buddies and say, hey, let's do a 30 minute Zoom call. We're all just going to laugh until the dumbest jokes we can think of intentional, mindful enjoyment every day. Build the good things into your schedule instead of just the bad things into your schedule. And do that all winter long. Do that for 90 days. Don't do it for two days and then say, yeah, that was cool, but I'm tired. Build it in on purpose. We've got phones. Man, you've, you have you have a scheduler attached to your palm at all times. And instead, you're using it to look at cat memes and argue with strangers on the internet. Set reminders on your phone every day, every morning. Just set a reminder, a repeating reminder with what with, pops up that says, what am I grateful for today? Set a reminder at noon, you know, write, you know, sit and appreciate the world around me, write a haiku, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, daily reminders. Have I taken my vitamins today? Daily reminders at noon. Ha what have I eaten today that was medicine instead of just fat? You know, things like that. Um, 
reminders to spend time with people. Every Sunday, you set a reminder, spend time to some, with someone, reach out to someone, you know, Sunday at noon, reach out to someone, and you pick up your phone and give your buddy a call. You pick up your phone and give your mom a call, whoever. And you say, hey, you know, I'm just thinking about you. How you doing? How, let's just chat, let's talk. That also builds their mental health. So all of that together, I threw so much information at people right now. Sit and listen to this podcast every day during the winter. Sit and listen to this podcast every Monday. Sit When you are miserable, grab this podcast and listen to it again and say, okay, what is one thing from this podcast I can do to pick myself up out of this pit? Because I just threw seven or eight ideas at you. That was an incredible delivery of information. That would like... <laughs> I, I try to I try to go for a full orbital bombardment of mental health during these months. You nailed it. And without taking any notes, two things really stood out. And that was, I've been on both sides of this. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. And I think that's one of the reasons you mentioned that I, I bring up, you know, finding a reason to smile, you know, finding something to be happy about that day. And it's, I reached that point by being in those deep, deep, dark valleys and sitting on top of those mountains. I've seen both. And what I see the most, and I'm wondering what your your advice or not prescription, but what you'd advise on those who've given their happiness away. You know, you see a lot of people and it's, I can't be happy because my kids will never love me. They'd be better off without me as a parent or my friends would be better off without me or, you know, they, it, let's, so I'm, I'm 69 days sober today, but there were times where I'd have like a, a crap night drinking and be like, oh, I'm just such an idiot. Like, I'm so dumb. I'm not worth this. I, why do I keep doing this? And it's a vicious cycle where it's, it's like this exterior thing. Like I didn't give myself permission. Well, stop doing stupid things. Stop drinking. You know, you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to be stressed. You know, the, people will say, well, uh, it's because I have anxiety. But if you look at their lifestyle, it's a lifestyle that supports and promotes anxiety. And they gave that happiness to somebody else. Yeah. You should have like, you could strip everything from me, take everything away right now. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be happy alone because my happiness is in me. It's not in mm -hmm. something I, I can get it's, it's inside your soul. Mm -hmm. So to those who are on that cusp, you like, they're sitting there like, man, like nobody says, Oh, I just want to die. You know, like you don't just wake up one day. Like you reach that point after a series of events occurring. Yeah. So for those who don't have or feel that they have that control or that ability, like you listed so many great things, but they're like, well, I don't have any Corona. My family can't travel this Christmas. And this is my first Christmas alone. Oh, this is also the Christmas that my college shut down. So I can't even hang out with my dorm buddies because they're seeing thing after thing after thing. Yeah. They're alone. What do you say to them? They, they can't see their family. They can't see their friends. They're in their fucking apartment. They don't have a lot of money. How do they find happiness? Number one, it's not all or nothing. It's, it's not, I will see my family or I won't see my family. It's, it's not, I have everything or I have nothing. Um, it, it, it's, it's not even, I don't have the things I used to have, so I have nothing. It, people think of it as all or nothing. They think of it as I have to be perfect or I'm worthless. They think of, I can't be happy or else my kids will be miserable. They, they think of these black and white, these rigid dichotomies of, of it's this or it's this. Um, sometimes it's not about reaching perfection. Sometimes it's not about, I'm going to be absolutely just like overflowing euphoric happy um, if I get this and I can't have that. So I'm nothing. Sometimes it's, it's this question. Um, 
we, we do scaling questions in therapy and it's on a scale of one to 10, where would you put your life satisfaction right now? Not happiness because happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. I'm super happy over here. I'm not super happy over here. And those are only five minutes apart. Where would you put your life satisfaction right now? And if it's four out of 10, the question is not why. The question is, what would it take for you to just go up one point? What would have to take change for you to get one more point and go to five out of 10? What would have to change to go up one? And, and to go up, people can think of what it would take from, to go from four to nine or four to 10. They say, well, I would just have my family around me all the time and I'd have to win the lottery and I'd have to look like Brad Pitt. And, you're right. <laughs> they start looking at these extremes because they're, they're so aching for it. One point. What would have to change for one point? And that usually, people don't usually say, well, you know, they, they, first they're going to list all the things that have to go away. And I would have to be no more bit, no more debt and no more coronavirus and no more things out of their control. I say, no, no, no. You, you, what, what is one thing you want more of in your life that if you had one more, pe one more step, it would give you five out of 10. It would give you six out of 10. What little piece of satisfaction would give you that? You can list five or six things that you can do to give you one point. Maybe not five points, but one point. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, I would be less fat. Okay, you can work on that. I mean, your, your 30 days to masculinity program, man, people are going to be less fat by the end of 30 days. And they just do it every day. And by the end of it, I've done your program before where I start off looking like a sack of potatoes. And at the end of the 30 days, I have professional bodybuilders say, hey, man, what's your program? What are you doing different? I'm like... Uh, I'm, I'm just doing a hundred pushups a day. <laughs> I'm doing my buddy's program. And they're like, man, you just have this look about you. Like your shoulders are bulked. It's awesome. 30 days of a hundred pushups. And those pushups take you like what? 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Hey, there's your 20 minutes of exercise. You do a 30 days masculinity program right there. There's your, there's your pump for your program. Um, I like that plug. Think, think about it, what it would take to go up one point. Ask yourself, honestly, where am I? Was it one to 10? with one being put me in a hospital and 10 being I have won the lottery and I'm a supermodel, where, where, would, you, where would you put your happiness? One to 10. Give yourself an honest answer. If it's bleak, if it's two, okay, it's two. Maybe, maybe you just got your leg amputated because diabetes or something. You know, it, If it's bleak, it's bleak. But there's something you can do to go up one point. And once you go up that one point, then you say, what would it take to go up one more point? Usually it's time with family. Okay, what does that look like? I can't be with you physically present, but let's do a Zoom call where we're all present. Maybe I talk to my family and we're all afraid of coronavirus and we lock down for two weeks so we don't see anyone else and we're all clean and good so then we can see each other because we haven't seen anyone, right? A closed system, no one's going to get sick. No one's going to get coronavirus. So take precautions and get back together again. You know, whatever you can do, even just a little bit, you know, maybe seeing your family would make you go from four to nine, but maybe doing a zoom call would make you go from four to six. Maybe you do a zoom call for four to six and maybe you do a zoom call every single day with your family. So you all stay at six and then you say, okay, what would it take? Okay. Now I'm going to implement a 30 day exercise program. That'll take me to seven. And then I'm going to crack down on my spending a little bit. So I have a little more pocket money or, or, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So that's going to take me to eight. You build up to eight again little things. Don't go all or nothing. Don't go all or nothing. There is always something you can do to go up one point. 
always think about it in increments instead of thinking about it in this this happy or not or miserable does that help no i really i really do like that perspective and i think a lot of people will resonate with that because the biggest issue i've seen with people i've i've spoken with and tried to help and and mentored is that when you reclaim that sense of control over you know your happiness your purpose it 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 like opens a different door all of a sudden that weight isn't so heavy yeah. You know, it's not about the other person or other people. This is about you and it's okay to be selfish. Yeah. We live in a society where everybody's consumed with themselves, but they're always selfless. Yeah. Like you're, you're only good and you're, you're so focused on yourself, but only when you get the validation from the outside, yeah. you, you only love you like, Oh, look at my selfies, but it'll only get 10 likes and not 20. Yeah. So all of a sudden you went from focusing on yourself to be happy, to not being happy enough because the outside world didn't give you as much love. Whereas you should look at that selfie and love you. And I'm not saying be some conceited wench, but I'm saying like, look, like be content and happy with who you are. Something that you were saying that I found that really does help is, is helping others. That's where I get my happiness. And if somebody, like I said, is in one of those spots where they're just down on themselves, instead of trying to connect with somebody else or, or make that bond with them be the source of the happiness, mm-hmm. clean out your closet and go give your clothes to a shelter or give your clothes, you know, my, my children are growing out of their clothes and we give them to uh, friends or family with younger kids. Yeah. And just doing that makes us so happy. Like we, we offload clothes that are just taking up space yeah. and those kids are happy because it's like Christmas. Like here's yeah. this whole new wardrobe kid. Yeah. You know, go uh, donate money, you know, like to, to a random guy. You see somebody in the street, here's a sandwich, dude. You'll feel so good mm-hmm. helping that person that, that happiness is generated within. And if yeah. you can string that along, like you said, going from four to five, yeah. maybe it's something as simple as getting away and reading a book. Yeah. People, people like they harp on me like, oh, you and books, dude, like reading books is uh, you're alone. You're with yourself. If you can get, not be distracted by your phone, your electronics, social media, put all that away yeah. and bring some peace to your life. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you'll hear that voice in the back of your head. That's yeah. why I really recommend uh, hiking or walking without electronics. Because yeah. you can hear like, what's that voice saying? You know, you might think, oh, I need A, but your voice is like, I need B. Yeah. I, I don't need, you know, to buy this new thing. I don't need to connect with that person. I need to, to deal with this childhood friend who, who I lost and I've not properly grieved or, or reconnect a relationship with my family members because I, I've been so isolated from them. Yeah. You know, it's, there's so much, but all of that is within. It's not exterior. And honestly, if, if, if people listen through everything you just said, that's how you cultivate that. That's how you get that fire back. That's how you get that, that, that light back inside your soul. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is, I'm happy. And it's, it's black outside and it's noon. Yeah. I don't need the sun to charge me up. I'm not so, uh, humans are solar powered, but you can generate that light within. You can get that yeah. battery going to make it through the winter months. Yes, you can. And, and I will say this, suicide is, uh, is not about wanting to die. Suicide is about wanting the pain to stop. If you can give yourself even a sliver of hope that you can diminish the pain, the suicidal feelings and things start to diminish as well. The male depression is built on feeling helpless and powerless. Um, Female depression is there too. That's pieces of it. But male depression especially is feeling powerless, helpless, impotent. 
if you can diminish your pain and unhappiness, if you can go up even one point, it gives you a boost of confidence and a sense of control and your, your, your depression starts to recede and then you're not dragging around 10,000 10, pounds of weight while you're trying to get yourself out of bed. You're dragging around you know, five pounds of weight. Your depression starts to diminish as your sense of control increases. So increasing one point can diminish that suicidal impulse massively just one little change i've seen guys go from like adam i i don't, I don't know how i'm going to make it through this week all i think about is killing myself i look out my window and there's a tree out there that i think would hold my weight and and i think about it all the time i've seen guys go from that to okay let's let's implement the incremental system what would it take to go up one point you know, well, I, I need at least one friend. Okay, let's get, let's get you a friend. Let's get you one friend, and we build that. And they say, well, I already have someone I kind of want to be friends with, but I've just never taken that step. And I say, man, what could possibly be worse than you sitting there looking out your window every day, looking at that tree branch? Is, is that worse, or is talking to this buddy and being a little embarrassed about being his friend and saying, hey, let's be friend, let's be closer friends than we are? What's worse, staring at the tree branch or having an embarrassing conversation? Um, get that control, get, get tiny amounts of confidence and control and you'll see that it stacks and, and it stacks fast. We men, we just need, we need control, control over our pain. If you can get control over your pain, even in small amounts, suicidal depression, suicidal impulses plunge because that's what it's about. It's about ending your pain. If you can figure out you have a lever on your pain, suicide is much less of a danger. So to sort of wrap you know, the, the full spectrum of this discussion up. How would you go about talking to someone who is sad and depressed and can't find that, that sense of purpose or joy because this is the anniversary of somebody else who didn't make it through seasonal depression? Mm-hmm. Somebody who's, who's coming to term, and you've, you've experienced this. I know this is a personal question and it's also one for myself. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's somewhat uncomfortable. But when you're going through these dark months, and you have to remember those who didn't make it. How, what's the course of action there? I mean, how, how, how do people deal with that void if they ever deal with it? You know, do you use that as a source of fuel to live harder, to honor their life? You know, I, I, that's, my mom passed when I was very young and it, it turned to a source of anger. Yeah. So I actually, like I live hard in spite of her and her decision. You know, it's, that's kind of the approach I took and a flaw or a feature. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that's, that's my angle. But there are people listening to this who, you know, maybe last year, maybe it was 10 years ago. Maybe it was, it was 15, you know, maybe it was so distant that they didn't even know the person, but they were just mm-hmm. told about the family member who this, this right around Christmas decided to take their life. How do you find the source to go on the energy to go on the <sighs> sense of purpose there? Like I said, man, I'm, I'm coming up with a two year anniversary of a close family member. Um, like they had, they ate Thanksgiving dinner with us. They walked out the front door. The last thing that we said to them was my, my two-year-old son yelling, I love you at them. And they walked away. And a week later, the, the, the sheriffs were banging on our door telling us like, Hey, we just found him in their car with a shotgun. Um, what do you want to do with the body? That was a week. Um, <laughs> so I get that. Um, for me, the answer has been, find meaning in it there's a quote and i know i don't remember who said it some guy way smarter than me um said life is a story that only makes sense 
lived in reverse. Uh, only makes sense in reverse, but must be lived forward. Your life will make sense when people view it at the end and say, okay, here's where all these things lined up and here's why these things happened. Here's the things that built and, and made him the man he was. But it doesn't make sense. It, we're, we're living it forward. We see no meaning. When people look backward, they see a, a billion things of meaning. I say, Build that meaning in intentionally. You are that person's living legacy. So you, there's anger, there's pain, there's betrayal. You're living in spite of. At the end of your life, though, people are going to say, his mom died when he was this old, and that fueled this fire, and it made all these things. Here's what came from his mother's death. Um, make it mean something. We as humans, we, we, we are obsessed with meaning. We always say, why? Why is this happening? What was the purpose? Why did this happen? This is so dumb. Make it mean something. Um, at the beginning of, beginning of my book, um, Burrito Avenger, plug for me. At the beginning of that book, um, that book was written. I was editing that book when, when he took his life, my family member. And um, at the beginning of that book, talks about the, the I, I put a, a thanks in there, an acknowledgement. Um, I dedicated the book to him and said something like, you know, may, may your life um, inspire us to be better. May your, may your legacy be more connectedness in our family, more watchfulness with each other, more, more focus on making sure we, are, we stay strong and build that up, that we don't splinter off and become lonely. Um, that has been our answer in our family is to be closer, to be, to watch closer over each other. When someone has a bad day to just like rush over there and like mob them and dogpile them and like force, force the love into their life so that they're, they're annoyed at first. And at the end of it, they're laughing because it's just so overwhelming and stupid. Um, that has been our answer. And that has been, so that, in a sense, is his legacy. We are his living legacy. Regardless of the pain we feel, the bitterness we feel, we are his living legacy. And our children will be our living legacy. And that will be something that will carry on through our family for generations. And they, until, until our family doesn't even remember where that came from. They don't even remember the suicide. They just remember our family is known for dogpiling each other when we have, when we have problems. Um, that is the best thing I can give you is that you are alive now. You can give their life and their death meaning, and you can improve your life, and you can safeguard the lives of those around you. All of that by living more intentionally and loving other people and loving yourself more intentionally. That should be the lesson that comes from that. So when you are sad about the anniversary, feel it, right? There's a line in Shakespeare and Macbeth, when they say, um, Macbeth has slaughtered Macduff's whole family, his wife, his children, all the little ones. And he says, not even, he says something like, what? Not even the little ones escaped? His, his, his babies escaped, were, were slaughtered. Um, and they, say, they yell at him and say, come on, get up. Aren't you a man? Let's go get revenge. And Macduff says this fantastic line. He says, I will deal with it as a man, but first I must feel it as a man. Um, feel the pain. You don't have to run away from it. Feel it. And then ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? That's the next step that a lot of us wallow in is the pain is so big, we just sit with it and absorb it. And so it soaks into us. The next step should be, what am I going to do about it? The call to action. There should be a call to action at the end of everything you feel. What is your call to action? What are you being called to do? What are you calling yourself to do? That's my answer to people. What am I going to do about it? 
And that becomes that person's legacy and your legacy. Make it mean something. It's an uncomfortable subject, but handled very well. You know, and I hope people listening, this isn't just a podcast to listen to. It's one to apply. I have it in the introduction to the podcast itself because it's that important to me that you don't just hear the words we're sharing. Like this sucks. You know, like this is like, we're both in the hot seat of having discussion on like, hey, what's it like to lose someone you love and find purpose? Like that's not an easy discussion, but we're here having it because like you said, the legacy can continue on. Somebody else might benefit. And it's my hope that those listening understand that this is fuel. This is mental fuel for you to take and to apply to action. Adam, thank you for coming on the, the podcast. Do you have any last words or anything you want to leave people with as well as where can they find you if they want to connect or check out more of your work? Wherever you are right now, you can make it one point better. And once you've made it one point better, you can make it another point better and another and another. It's a series of steps. That, that's what I want to leave people with. You can do something that will give you one more point. That's all you got to focus on. Where can you find me? I am adamlanesmith.com. It's the simplest name in the world. Um, I'm an author, so I don't want to publish under adamsmith you know, because Adam Smith is an old dead guy, and there's 3,000 books written about him. Um, and his book that he wrote, you'll never find me. So adamlanesmith.com. Um, it's probably the easiest place to find me. I ramble all over the place on my blog. You'll find a million different blog posts about everything. Some of it's about mental health. You'll find it there. I've got links to all of Adam's social media. I've got a link to our making friends as an adult below, as well as links to your books and the resources, the site to find all of your stuff. I mean, you've got a lot of things going on. I'm realizing the links that I've got for you are just almost infinite. So I've got to like kind of cut that back. Let's do a a podcast about my links. (laughs) We could do a whole discussion (laughs) on it. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on. For those listening, this has been another episode of the family alpha podcast. Please take the information and apply it. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at the fraternity of excellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Zach small underscore.